0: Today's podcast is sponsored by Gamerborn Clothing. Visit gamerborn.co.uk to browse through a collection of gamer inspired clothing for gamers of all ages, even toddlers and infants. Use promo code VGXTPOD for a 5% discount off your order. Gamer born Clothing, because we're all born to be gamers. Crosstalk. The unintentional transfer of signals between communication channels. A casual conversation. Hello world, this is Video Game Crosstalk, the bi-weekly podcast of gamers talking about tech, science, and whatever else comes to mind, episode 009. I am your host, Anthony Rossi, and this week I am joined by, well, my two-month-old son, Jacob. So, if you've been following this podcast, you know that it's been a while since I've posted anything, and for the most part, this has been due to the birth of my son, which I am so blessed to have, love him so much, his name is Jacob. Uh, but, as any new parent would understand, newborns take up a lot of time, and rather than just doing the podcast and getting excessive amounts of gaming in while my wife pretty much takes care of everything, I have been doing my part in pitching in. So, thus the delay. Also, at the current time, I am recording this on December 21st, so Christmas is just around the corner. And I have found some time to sneak away and just record a little solo podcast, kind of a uh, Christmas special, if you will. So this one's going to be kind of short. I just want to get something in just before the new year and also announce that I'm going to go to a monthly format. So rather than going every other week, I'm going to switch this up. We're going to do this once a month. Not sure what time of the month I'm going to be able to publish, but we'll figure that out as we go. Also, it'll give me some time to actually research a few more quality, so to speak, uh, science and tech articles, make the podcast a little bit more meaningful rather than going once every two weeks. So thank you so much for joining in. Thank you so much if you've been following me the entire time. Awesome. You guys are awesome. Awesome. So, what have I been up to? Well, besides Jacob, uh, that little bundle of chaos, I shouldn't be, Tomito. I'm usually not that bad uh, as far as newborns are concerned. But believe me, newborns take up quite a bit of time, especially when you live with an additional uh, two dogs and you're working full time. Uh, <laughs> Recently, I have been able to get... Some gaming in, uh, mostly at night. Once everything has settled down, I'm able to get an hour or so in, sometimes even squeezing in a half hour here or there. But uh, Watch Dogs 2 has finally been released, and I am just, just about to start the final mission. I'm at the point where I have finished all of the, uh how do you say, all the side missions, and... All that's left is to do the final mission and finish up this game. And it actually has a little warning message when you're about to start that final mission. Something to the effect of, this is the last mission you're going to finish this game. Are you sure you want to progress? So, of course, me being the completionist that I am, I say, no, I do not want to progress. I want to go on and finish absolutely every other thing I possibly can before I uh, clock out on this game. So with that, I've got a bit of a review. And I'll I'll keep this kind of brief. Uh, I'd rather bounce these ideas and concepts off someone else who has played. So just my uh, overall impressions on a few bullet points that I have in front of me. First off, the game style. And what is considerably a huge contrast from the first Watch Dogs is that everything is a lot brighter. If you play the first Watch Dogs with Aiden Pierce, first him being a bland, dark character to begin with, Chicago always felt kind of dark as well. Now that we're in San Francisco, I mean, everything is brighter. Like, daylight somehow seems to be brighter. There's a, a much brighter and much more colorful uh, color palette that you see throughout this city. And along with being brighter, the tone of all the characters and the game itself seems to be much more relaxed and much less serious than it was in the first Watch Dogs. So So some definite progression there as far as making the game more enjoyable to play rather than dark and gritty. Also, there are meaningful activities this time around. So again, if you played the first Watch Dogs, you know that there were plenty of the AR activities that you could do. Those AR activities gone. There are no there are no running around to collect coins or the trippy flying around the city with tie dyed colored Palagona. No, none of that. So none of the AR activities made it into the second game, which I am definitely a fan of. Uh, Some of the things, also while you're doing these things, you gain followers. And followers are what Ubisoft is using in lieu of experience points. So when you complete activities or complete missions, you gain, quote, followers in your social media profile and the way they work the followers in is theoretically if you, or the way that it works into the game's lore, when you gain more followers in your social media, theoretically each follower is downloading the dead sick app. And for each person that downloads the app, that gives you processing power to their smartphone devices or their computers or whatever they're downloading the app to. So it's a bit of a distributed computing. If you ever use any of the gene folding apps back in the day where, Companies would use spare CPU cycles on everyone's computers to do some type of medical research. So stuff like that. You're, when someone downloads the DedSec app in this game, or theoretically downloads the DedSec app, they're donating processing power, and that's ultimately what you use to take down Bloom towards the end of the game. Uh, some of the other activities that I kind of chuckle at are these, I guess I'll call them selfie missions. Uh, basically, the idea is you go to Famous Landmarks, and in the game, you actually take a selfie in front of these things. Uh, it's kind of silly, but they're quick, and it plays into the idea of gaining more followers. You also can gain followers by doing other race activities like motocross, uh e-cart races and flying drone races so if you enjoy the racing aspect or running around or flying around san francisco you can do those but i actually enjoyed the selfie missions because basically you just find a famous landmark you can uh, open up the camera app in your in-game phone and you take a picture of yourself striking a little bit of a pose and it's a quick uh, few thousand followers for you so as silly as it is, it actually works with the game's lore because the idea of rather than gaining experience points, you're gaining followers. So the more active you are in social media, the more followers you get, and you know it, it all ties together. One big thing that I am happy to see Ubisoft move away from in general between the most recent Assassin's Creed games and Watch Dogs 2 is a reduced amount of collectibles. So if you've played any of the assassin creed games you know that there's hundreds upon hundreds of these collectible little items that serve little purpose other than achievement points or congratulations you found 200 animus glitches or something like that in watch dogs 2 there really really isn't that many things as ways collectibles are concerned. There's money bags scattered around the city, but that's just for some quick cash. Uh, there are locations where if you hack into a certain access point, you can gain a skill point uh, to use in upgrading your skill trees. But outside of that, I mean, there's a few custom paint jobs that you can find, a few uh, unique clothing items that are only available if you actually find them somewhere in the world. But nothing that really plays a big part into the game and they are completely skippable and really don't affect the game at all. So it's just good to see a reduced amount of collectibles and have them focus more on meaningful gameplay rather than rely on find 200 of these, 600 of these or whatever else to do. Another huge difference between Watch Dogs 1 and 2 is the supporting cast. Now in Watch Dogs 2, you're actually a member of DedSec, which is kind of like a frenemy of, of sorts in Watch Dogs 1, uh, they were kind of working against Aiden Pierce, but now you're a full-fledged member. You are now part of the hacktivist collective known as DedSec. And, uh, as far as the characters are concerned, your allies, there are no throwaway characters this time around. In Watch Dogs 1, you would meet some people where they would serve their purpose for one or two parts or chapters of a quest line and then never be used again. They were pretty much just used like one time or two times or something like that where you would learn a little bit about them, but then they were never developed at all. Uh, in Watch Dogs 2, it's definitely not the case. You've got Sitara, Wrench, Horatio, and Josh. That are your buddies over in... Uh, dead second. Later on, you also get to meet up with T-Bone. And uh, T-Bone, he's always good for a laugh. Unfortunately, he is no Jordy Chin. I am kind of disappointed I did not get to meet Jordy Chin in Watch Dogs 2. I was definitely looking forward to more of that guy's character. But alas, T-Bone will have to do. One of the parts of the game that was heavily advertised were the use of your remote control toys. I guess I'll refer to them. That being the jumper and your remote control drone. Now, I was kind of expecting these RC toys to be almost gimmicky, like you could use them if you wanted to, but they really wouldn't do much in the game. It was more just like filler I was expecting them to be, and I was completely wrong. Your jumper, your remote control jumper, and your drone had immense tactical advantage if you use them properly during exploration or even in combat, and there were even missions and checkpoints where you had to use either the jumper or the drone to complete things. Such as, um, if you remember in Watch Dogs 1, wherever you would hack a system, you would be taken into this all-black scene with these wires, and you had to rotate these node points to complete circuits. Those were brought back into Watch Dogs 2, except rather than going to a separate screen, these nodes were placed around the environment itself. And you could walk around using Marcus to uh, manipulate these nodes... Or what I typically did was I actually used the drone so I could get an aerial view of the entire puzzle and I would flip around the nodes using the drone rather than uh, walk around with Marcus. So between that and a few other tight spaces where you could use the uh, remote control jumper, you could... Oh, run under cars if you're trying to get into secure areas you can hide behind smaller boxes there were even times where you would use the jumper to travel through heating ducts and stuff like that to get into additional rooms kind of like um deus ex where you would go into the ceiling or walk around certain areas in in the vents and whatnot so that's how the rc jumper was used for a more tactical advantage or getting into some more secure locations so right now the game is sitting at an 83 on Metacritic, and I'm I'm gonna have to agree with that. It's nothing that's really blowing my mind, but it's also a very solid game. I realize that personally, I'm really enjoying this because uh, it's giving me a little bit of the what do you want to call it? The cyberpunk, a little bit of cyberpunk for me to work with, and I really enjoy the whole like 1990s hacker type of scene and dialogue. So, I've been really enjoying it. Also, there's plenty of real world, uh, references, even though, of course, they put the intro message at the beginning of the game where any, uh, correlation or semblance to any real world people are purely coincidental. I mean, you know it isn't. You know they're basing these stories and some of these instances off of real world and real people, but, you know, it, it's all a complete work of fiction. Anyway, I really enjoy that kind of thing. I know that I'm sometimes in the minority, in that opinion, where some people, they just want to get right into the action, start blowing stuff up, start hacking things, where I personally enjoy a well-detailed storyline. So, uh, it's not the greatest game in the world, but I'm absolutely enjoying it, if you... If you enjoyed Watch Dogs 1 in the least, you're going to love Watch Dogs 2. They've basically improved on every aspect of the game. It's a solid sequel where they built upon lessons learned and existing functions that worked properly. So that's what's going down in Watch Dogs. As for some uh, tech news, I've I got a little something special. It's combining both technology and toys. So in the show notes, you'll have a link to this NPR article. And it's kind of interesting. It's kind of funny. And it's something to put a little smile on your face during this holiday season. So the story goes, and this is the super condensed version of it. I highly suggest you listen to the... Uh, to the broadcast that's on the NPR website. But the short version of this is that some researchers have found a new application for silly putty. Yes, silly putty. That goop, rubbery, plastic stuff that you can shape into different forms and just play around with doesn't really serve any really great purpose. Some researchers or some students were looking into How they could use Silly Putty, uh, as more of a, more of a reach out tool to get kids and people interested in science. Kind of like a scientific reach out type of application. And they were testing it to see what they could add to it, what they could, you know, infuse it with to make it do different things. And as it turns out, if you add a certain type of, uh, graphene, it becomes very sensitive to pressure when you run an electrical current through it and it is sensitive to the point where they can measure the difference of the electrical current as you apply pressure to the Silly Putty when it's infused with this graphene. It is so sensitive that they were actually able to detect a spider walking across the Silly Putty, and they are even looking into certain medical applications of this graphene-infused Silly Putty, one of which, if you place a bit of the Silly Putty on your carotid artery, they can actually hook it up to a machine where it will detect both your heart rate and your blood pressure. So this is going to open up all sorts of fun stuff to the research community because you now have this very malleable, very uh, this substance that's very easy to form and put into intricate shapes and have an interesting, it's very interesting property to it uh, your imagination is your limit at this point. I'm sure people who are much smarter than me are already working on some other applications or are dreaming up what it might be able to be used for. But at this point, I I think it's wild. I think it's an exciting application, new application for an old toy, I guess. Uh, whatever works, guys. If you got something that it can be used for, you know, bang it out. Have fun with it. For you, the listeners of the Video Game Crosstalk podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod to sign up for your free trial and download one of over 180,000 titles, such as the first book of the Assassin's Creed series, Renaissance by Oliver Bowden. Betrayed by the ruling families of Italy, Ezio Auditore embarks upon an epic quest for vengeance. To eradicate corruption and restore his family's honor, he will learn the art of the assassins. Along the way, Ezio will call upon the wisdom of such great minds as Leonardo da Vinci and Niccolo Machiavelli, knowing that survival is bound to the skills by which he must live. To his allies he will become a force of change in the fight for freedom and justice. To his enemies, he will become a threat dedicated to the destruction of the tyrants abusing the people of Italy. So begins an epic story of power, revenge, and conspiracy. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash vgxtpod for your free audiobook. And speaking of Assassin's Creed, as I mentioned, I am recording this on December 21st, and many of you may already know that today is the premiere of the Assassin's Creed movie, something I have been fanboying over for the past few years now. Now, as I mentioned, my son was recently born, it is a Christmas holiday, and we're kind of busy right now, so for me to go see the movie, it's going to have to wait a little bit, but I will see it. I will see it. If at all possible. But for those of you who may not be quite as familiar with the movie, I've put together some notes as a bit of a, bit of a primer for you. Because with video game movies, the trailers may look pretty cool, they may look pretty awesome, but Assassin's Creed in particular can be confusing as all heck. You've got both the ancient environment and the modern day environment acting uh, at the same time. So it's really easy to see where people will have like a bit of confusion as to what exactly is going on. So if you give me a few minutes of your time, now that you've been listening to this podcast for a while anyway, uh, I can give you uh, a few pointers, uh, a bit of an explanation of what exactly is going on. So at the core of Assassin's Creed are memories. And the idea is that you are able to relive or view the memories of your ancestors through the use of a machine called the Animus. Now the memories, going to focus on the memories for a little bit first. The memories, the way that they are explained in the video game, and a lot of the stuff that you will see in the trailers for the Assassin's Creed movie is explained actually in the very first Assassin's Creed with Desmond Miles and Altair as the main assassin. But... The way that it's explained to Desmond Miles, Desmond Miles, the modern day assassin, is that the way that these ancestor memories are passed on are akin to the animal kingdoms, what we refer to as natural instincts or animal instincts. We don't know how we know certain things we just do and the way that explained is that's because we have certain memories from our ancestors these memories are passed down to us so we just naturally know how to do these things and these memories are the key to exploring the past now the animus and there's a big difference between the movie animus and the video game animus in the video game it looks kind of like a doctor's chair or a doctor's bed that you kind of lay down in and you throw on this headset visor thing and you go into a sedative induced or some type of sleep state and you dream away the memories of your ancestors that works for the game since you kind of lay down in the machine uh, an aide gets you all prepped up and sends you into the matrix more or less and you're there controlling your ancestor assassin for a movie on the other hand it's kind of boring so in the movie where you see michael fassbender uh jumping around with this robotic arm holding on to him that's their version of the animus it's much more exciting it allows for more action to be displayed on screen but as far as being true to the game it's a complete departure but work with it <laughs> basically just go with it but So the role of the Animus is that is the machine that you use to explore your ancestors' memories. Somehow through this machine, it taps into your DNA. Somewhere in the getup, it taps into your blood, or your somehow it gets all your DNA, explores your DNA, and is able to bring forth these memories from your past ancestors. And through the Animus, that's how you relive them, which I should also explain... It's not that you just view your ancestors' memories, you actually relive them. So the, as the brain controls all of your emotions, all of your thoughts, all of your actions, when you relive certain things, your brain sends signals through your body, <clears throat> through your body that allow muscle movement. As you spend more time in the animus and you go through these actions repeatedly, you naturally develop a type of muscle memory. And with this muscle memory, the person in the animus experiences what's called the bleeding effect. And the bleeding effect, again, this is explained in Assassin's Creed 1, is when the person who is using the animus actually starts to take on the physical traits and physical abilities of the ancestor that they are reliving the memories of. So yes, when you see Michael Fassbender actually learning how to be an assassin and suddenly he's a master archer or he's a master martial artist, that's actually part of the game's lore itself, where it's through the use of the animus and the muscle memory that he actually begins to take on these skills and abilities that were previously of the ancestor. So as you're reliving these memories of your ancestor... of your, So as you're reliving these memories of your assassin ancestor, we begin to see what they were like and what the assassin uh, methodology is. So... Again, if you've played any, any at all of the Assassin's Creed games, you know that the free running or parkour is a big part where, uh, you run through city streets, over fences, over barrels, over people, you climb up buildings, you, and you do the, the leap of faith, uh, in one of my previous episodes, I was talking with Joe Berman about the 125 foot leap of faith that they did for this, for this movie. That is actually done quite, not only done often in the game, it's one of the key mechanics for exploring the city. The assassin will climb up to one of the highest points on either a cathedral or a tower or a palace or something and free fall down 100 plus feet and of course they can land into a hay bale and not be hurt but you know video games so between the leap of faith and the parkour that's a big part of how the assassins work their way through the cities another big aspect of their combat style is big emphasis on stealth or a major emphasis on stealth so there's a lot of hiding there's a lot of sneaking there's a lot of blending in with your environment so the idea again is they're assassins they work in the darkness to serve the light you've probably heard that in the trailers staying hidden as much as you can is how the game was originally designed as the game series move forward they focus more on the action aspect because that's more exciting than skulking in the shadows But a big part of the assassin combat technique is remaining hidden and stuff. And speaking of hidden, the Mm -hmm. signature weapon of the Assassin's Creed game is the hidden blade. And that is a type of gauntlet that the assassins will wear. Sometimes you have two hidden blades, depending on which game you're playing at the time. But it is a retractable blade that is hidden underneath the wrist that the assassins can use in combat to either assassinate the assassinate their target or use it as a small knife during hand-to-hand combat. So when you see the scenes within the trailer and they're looking past all of these different looks like gloves or gauntlets, those are hidden blades and they're actually pretty integral to what the assassins are. Moving on the last piece of this Assassin's Creed puzzle are the existence of the Knights Templars or simply the Templars. Now the Templars They've been working to establish a new world order and doing so by force, pretty much forcing the world's population into their vision of what a proper world order should be. In this game, the Knights Templars still exist, but they work under the guise of Abstergo Industries. And Abstergo pretty much is a super duper mega corporation that have their hands in all sorts of things, uh, entertainment, entertainment, Genetic testing, other types of scientific research. They're just a super duper mega corporation, and it's actually the commercial front for the Knights Templar. And they have this type of reach because they're searching for what are referred to as pieces of Eden. And in this movie, uh, you'll see in one of the trailers a small. Uh, basically, it's an apple. It's an apple of Eden. I know we're going into biblical references right now. It's this small ball so to speak and what these pieces of eden are and now we're gonna dip into kind of some weird stuff into some ancient alien type stuff these pieces of eden are actually ancient technology that are capable of mind control and other amazing powers so they're basically these ancient artifacts that are capable of massive technological power To the point of mind control, if you hold one of these apples of Eden. And the Templars are trying to find these pieces of Eden. And the way that they're doing that is that they're basically kidnapping assassins or getting a hold of assassin DNA because they are the protectors of these artifacts. So they take these assassins, go into their ancestor memories, and try to find when their ancestors came in contact with these pieces of Eden so they can find the modern-day location for these pieces. So, bring it all back. You use assassins and the machine called the Animus to explore ancestor memories. These memories will show the location of these very powerful pieces of technology called Pieces of Eden. The Knights Templar are using the assassin memories to find these, The assassins are working to prevent the Templars from finding them. So there we have our conflict. The assassins are trying to prevent the Templars from finding these pieces of Eden, allowing humanity to find its own way into the future. And the Templars are trying to find these pieces of Eden so they can force humanity into their own new world order. (sighs) If you have any questions, please send them my way. I'll try to be the best lore master that I can and help you out with that. And like I said, this is going to be a short episode, so this is all the time I have right now. So, time for end-of-show plugs. You can follow me, Anthony Rossi, on Twitter, Instagram, Xbox One, and Twitch at Hypersyntax. as hyp is H-Y-P-3-R-S-I-N-T-4-X. Or you can follow this podcast directly either on Twitter at VGXTpod or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash crosstalk. This podcast is hosted directly on Podbean and can be found at VideoGameCrosstalk.Podbean.com. As for my guest, well... He's napping right now, so I'm not going to wake him up, but Jacob definitely appreciates you listening in on this. And finally, if you are a gamer or know a gamer that wants to talk some tech or science news, let me know. If you know some tech news that you'd like to hear discussed, or if you have any general questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, send an email to videogamecrosstalk at gmail.com and give me the deets on what's going down. Please don't forget to like, review, subscribe, and share this podcast all over your social media accounts, and we can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Thank you one last time for hanging out with us. Jacob, thanks for given me some time to myself so i can record a podcast and in the words of lao tzu a leader is best when people barely know he exists when his work is done his aim fulfilled they will say we did it ourselves